0: Hello everyone, and welcome to minute fifty-eight of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the nineteen eighty Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and once again we're on location here in Baltimore. And my host slash guest is uh, once again Nick Rehack. Thank you once again for for letting me uh, stay. Of course, it's it's been a lot of fun.
1: It has been. The weather's been a little hot, but outside of that, I've been well. The weather outside is frightful, yeah. Yeah. but dum de dum delightful. <laughs> the air conditioning inside is so delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah.
0: So my my guest is uh, Nick Rehack of uh, formerly of mm-hmm. uh, French Toast Sunday. So thank you once again for for joining us uh, on this lovely Wednesday morning, for sure. So episode fifty eight begins with Al closing the squad car door. And ends with a man Talking about Wolfgang Yeah, of all so, things Yeah, seriously <laughs> Wolfgang w- Which Wolfgang could it be on my Who knows So, so yesterday we, we ended the episode with, with Al walking towards his car And, you know Continuing to, to hum and mm-hmm. sing uh, Incorrect uh, Or out of order dialogue uh, Out of order lyrics you know but but still nice and fun he's in a very happy mood he gets in the car continues to close the door and he continues singing you know he's he's ready to go have his uh, twinkies and and go home he's jolly he's very jolly and and that makes sense i mean it is christmas eve yeah you know he he's bearing gifts for his wife for his pregnant wife mm-hmm. you know twinkies so there you go so, then they, they give us a great shot of his hand on the gear shift. Yeah. You know, because we see we see the shot from below, and then we see, like, a shadow fall down onto the car, uh, and it turns out that it, it is a body. <laughs> and, you know, it lands, and the, the head goes right through the windshield. I mean, just
1: perfectly. Yeah. Perfectly through. It's almost... And it's weird how it happens too, because you wouldn't think it does, but I guess as it hits and it slides in for some who knows what reason. But it is no. Endless. But how does
0: he stay prone like that? Like he's flying. You know, you'd think that if you throw a body out the window, it's not going to land. You know, flat like flat that. Flat like that. It would catch it and tumble. It yeah. would spin. You know, again, this is he jumped thirty four floors. Mm. He's been thrown thirty four floors. <laughs> you know, we can we can easily see that it is Marco based on his clothing. Yeah. You know who he is dressed very differently than all the rest of the uh, uh, terrorists slash bad guys, mm. however you want to refer to them in this movie, because we, we all know at this point that they're not really terrorists. But, you know. And, I mean, first of all, it's an amazing effect the way they do it. You know, the way that they get it to land perfectly on the on the, the hood mm-hmm. and slam into the windshield like that. I mean, I, I wonder how many times they had to do that shot in order to, to get it
1: right, because... I mean, I doubt they used the stuntman for this. This this must have been a dummy. It had to have been a dummy. And one thing I really like, and this is going to sound weird. I like how the angle, and I like how the body falls. The angle, we're seeing it from below, and it just, out of nowhere, it hits. We don't see him being thrown. We don't see him being tossed. I remember at a very too young of age, really, in Lethal Weapon, at the very beginning, when the girl jumps out, and you just see her falling down, and then, bam, land on the car, and that has always been so striking and stuck out to me. So to see something Wait, because, like this.
0: Because she does a skydive or because she's not wearing because her shirt is open? Because Because, the again, because again I was as young, you mentioned impressionable. earlier in this week,
1: a very, very impressionable uh, <laughs> young child watching that. Yeah, but it's, it's just the way it falls down. And you see a lot of it, too. You'll see the shot of the whole body falling and then, but instead we just get the suddenness. And then it's kind of that primer for, for chaos. Yeah. All of a sudden it hits and then he's driving chaotically and it takes off from there. Truly takes off from there. Yeah. I mean the the
0: the the, the way that it that, that it's done, yeah, they, they set it up really well. You know, I'm assuming that that Tiernan is, is the one who gets the credit for, for deciding how to how to do that shot. Yeah. But it, it, it fits really well. Mm-hmm. You know, and and mid uh, singing, you know, Al just stop singing and you know, his his car's already in reverse, but he slams on, on the on the gas and start and shoots backwards and goes, Damn, goddammit, Jesus H Christ You know, he starts screaming out of control, and then we get a shot of John, who's up on top and he's looking down through through the hole. Now, do you think that hole is big enough? Here's here's the, I don't I don't think <laughs> I mean it yesterday is. we were talking about the Iosaurin. But this is that's not true. I mean, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a a larger, um, it's definitely a larger hole. But it's not a, the hole is not large enough no. for a body to go through it. And here's the other even thing: even if you were to you know wrap it up or, or you know uh, <laughs> you know roll it up or whatever you want to call it,
1: that that is not big enough. No, and the way the glass is peeling out, there's no way he didn't take the body and throw it at it head first. Now, if that's happening. I would think that as it falls down, it would start to tumble and right. kind of roll forward. Exactly, but it doesn't look like that because he lands like you said, prone. Boom! Right on top, all splayed out. At no point is he spinning around doing any of that stuff. Right. And it—it it, it throws as if he, me.
0: It's not as if you know he was able to to you know grab him by the belt and grab him by the shirt and just like Heave throw her. him out. Heave right. Maybe, maybe actually, maybe
1: that is what he did. Could uh, be no, but he does have a gun in his hand already. Yeah, ready to go. So and then, so does a lot of other people that start shooting at him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, also. But uh, yeah, the, it, it's he,
0: he does does uh, he does a nice uh, Superman impression here. Yeah, very much so. Of landing on on the thing, and then I I love John's uh, response. He screams out the window to nobody because nobody can hear him on the thirty fourth floor, and he goes, "Welcome to the party, pal." The classic line, a completely classic line. Now, do you think? Yesterday we talked about the, the term pal. Mm-hmm. You know, that Marco is the one who, who used the term pal. Do you think that basically John has an earworm and decided to use the term pal because
1: Marco used it yesterday? I'm thinking it's got to be a residual on there. Or, I mean, maybe in a weird way he's shouting down to Marco. Ah.
0: I, but no, it. I never thought about that. He's responding to... He's an... Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't think about that. He's not talking to Al. He's talking... To Marco, because Marco had said to him, he called him, no more table left, pal. Mm -hmm. And now he goes, well, welcome to the party,
1: pal. But Hmm. at the same time, I don't think his character would know from the 1700s version that it meant like partner in crime. Because in a way, Al would be his partner in crime, although be it anti-crime in (laughs) this case. But he doesn't know Al. He knows Marco. So to him, it's just another random cop guy because they haven't been speaking directly yet. Right. So it's I, – I, that it, that thought came across my mind the other day and it's just – it's stuck with me. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. I never even thought about that. My I, I've, I've seen this movie so many times and well, it's, it's cool. always been that he's basically saying, welcome to the party, pal. And I thought – and the reason I thought it was so amazing that he uses that phrase is because Al's name rhymes with pal. Yeah. You know, and John doesn't even know that. Right. He's like – Welcome to the party, pal Al, or Al Pal, mm, Al Pal, or, or whatever it is, Al Paloo, Palimony. <laughs> there you go, Al Paloo. You know, and as the 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 car spins backwards, we see like sparks flying out as uh, you know the the shots are being shot, and it hits like the 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 police lights on top.
1: It hits everything. It hits the lights. It's hitting the hood. It's hitting. All con- yeah. Just all kind, and it's just it's they're just ringing out left and right, and it's it's chaos. Right, it's but, shot at, but that's
0: not John shooting at him. That's the, the right. That's thing. the weirder part. You know, I always thought I always assumed it was John who was shooting at him, but it's not because it's at a lower floor. Yeah, and when we see John scream, "Welcome to the party, Powell!" He doesn't have his gun facing outwards. No, so like, why would someone else be shooting at at Powell at this point?
1: Yeah, it's who knows who it is. Exactly. I'm going to assume it's the others. Uh, but then even when he's way far back, they're still shooting at him. But it's also from a very low... Yeah, and not even on the 30th floor low. Right. Which is even weirder because, if anything, it would be coming from up top on the 30th floor. Right. So who or why would... And why, what would be the impetus to start shooting at him? Right.
0: Now I'm confused. Okay, now we know that th- that we we saw last week that Alexander... Was on a lower floor, mm-hmm. looking out, and Carl Franco and Fritz showed up there. We did see that, okay. But uh, we don't know what floor specifically, but it is a lower floor. But the biggest question here is: is why, if it is Alexander or one of the other three, even mm-hmm. if it's Carl, why are they shooting? Like, what has caused them to start shooting? I mean, Marco landed on the the car, okay, and Pal uh, Al, Al is. You know, flooring it and, and going backwards. But how is that, you know, causing any problems for the terrorist? And we
1: see they're watching him too. Right. Because if he's shooting. He, right. Al isn't shooting. He's just screaming and they can't hear him scream. Yeah. And they're just in position and then when he starts to drive, they aim down and start firing.
0: Yeah. That's, right. Makes no sense whatsoever. Now. Right. Okay. So I first wanted to talk about. Uh, you
1: know, lights on uh, emergency vehicles, mm. right? So, what, what do you, what do you know about that? Um, I just know that fire is red and white. I know that police is red and blue. Uh, f- around here for towing and or railroad type is going to be flashing yellow. Uh, outside of that, and I just that, know what that, are that, ambulances around here? Uh, red and white.
0: Red and white. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, in em- emergency vehicle lighting is one or more visual warning lights fitted to a vehicle for use when the driver wishes to convey to other road users the urgency of their journey, to provide additional warning of a hazard when stationary, or in the case of law enforcement, as a means of signaling another driver to stop for interaction with an officer. These lights may be dedicated emergency lights, such as a beacon or a light bar, or they may be modified stock lighting, such as a wigwag or a hideaway light, and are additionally... Added to any standard lighting of a car, such as hazard lights, often the, the, they're used along with a siren in order to increase their effectiveness. Okay, so the, the history of using lights began in Germany during really? World War II. Okay, they used blue emergency lights um, in order for because they had blackout measures for aerial defense in nineteen thirty 1930, from nineteen thirty-five. They they used cobalt blue, which replaced the red. That they began to, to use for emergency vehicles, okay all right it uh blue had a scattering uh, property and makes it uh only visible in lower altitudes and therefore less easily spotted by enemy airplanes huh
1: okay that's interesting, and I wonder how they determined that color. you think they did tests where they're flying above and like let's like see how high With the Germans go before they we did all the <laughs> <they> tested everything. <laughs> They know a thing or two about machines. Yeah, apparently.
0: <laughs> but uh and there are different types of lights. Sometimes they use strobe lights, sometimes they mm. use LED lighting and, and stuff like that. Sometimes they have they have signs that are made up of a large number of light sources, usually LEDs, which can be programmed to display messages to other road users. You know, on top of emergency vehicles. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever seen that. Where they have a message as opposed to you
1: know, what would they say pull over? You know, you'd You'd be reading it backwards. I've, um, the only thing I've seen on emergency type vehicles are, are highway vehicles around here, big trucks. They usually just have arrows directing traffic and saying, Hey, get over on this lane and then kind of push you away from road traffic. Ah, Because
0: because the, but it's parked
1: on the side. Some, sometimes they're moving. So this way they're moving slow into the lane to get other people to move and then they'll start to park um we also have big billboards above the highways and they'll tell us like hey there's a crash on such and such exits silver alerts amber alerts etc right but i've never seen one outside of that on a like an actual cop car or ambulance or anything like that because sure, they got squad numbers and 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 um station numbers but that's like painted on it's not like it's digitally and letting you know what's what that's interesting
0: right so the 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 car then that uh that Al is driving backs up like really, really fast, mm-hmm. and he ends up uh, destroying a parking pillar, and then a light, and you know he, can, he continues going backwards. You know he's 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 got his foot on the 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 gas there, and then the, I love the the shot they give us the the view from Argyle. The the lemma. Lemma. They're reminding us that Argyle is still there. You know he's he's on the oblivious phone, laughing. You know we we don't get to hear what he says. But it's just really, really funny watching him, just sitting there, you know, through the whole thing. And you know, we see we see Al's car in the background, you know, flying backwards, and the body flies off, and the body flies off, Exactly. which
1: is weird because it goes up, but then immediately it gets caught by the branches and is pulled down. Yeah, which is creepy. Uh,
0: well, creepy for Marco. Well, yeah, it just oh, it just grabs me. I right mean, you down. said yesterday that maybe he wasn't dead yet.
1: That's so. That's it's true. That's even creepier. It'd be really intense if he wasn't, though, because that's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to go through.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: he deserved it. You no, know? oh, yeah, no. Rightfully, he deserved so, it for but... teasing
0: for teasing John
1: yesterday. Come on, John taught him a lesson. Don't yeah, tease right.
0: me. Don't tease me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so and and I love that they they switched the music for a second. You know, the sound goes out. We don't hear. The, the car flying backwards. We hear the music that, that Argyle is listening to. Mm-hmm. You know, it adds like some sort of uh, uh, comic effect. Like a weird party element to it. Yeah. So I, I like the way they do
1: that. All the leaves. And I like that when he finally kind of crashes and the vehicle stops. That there's that consistency that he has leaves. That he's pulling the leaves off of him. There's leaves falling out of the car. Those aren't leaves. That's not leaves. I thought those were... Oh, those are leaves? Yeah. I thought those were, were Twinkies. <laughs> I, I could see that too, actually. But no, I always thought it was leaves. I was sure those were Twinkies. No, I always thought, I it, thought it was he, leaves.
0: I thought he like crumpled up the Twinkies because of everything that was going on. Oh my god! Wow, the two of us really saw different things there.
1: <laughs> were you hungry when you were watching this? No, <laughs>
0: not at all. But I've seen this so many times. I always thought that that
1: that you know, are you sure those are leaves? It looked like leaves to me. Uh, Did he go through yellow leaves at some point? Yeah, look, that's definitely leaves. Yeah, because all the trees are like off. But and why up. is that inside the Yellow car? Because the bus windows busted open. Oh, good point. Yeah, they come flying. Okay. Now, realistically, if you're going away, the stuff should be blown away from you, so there shouldn't be inside. Right. But there's some residuals okay. All in right. There. You see,
0: you, you taught me something there. That's great. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't even notice that before.
1: I, I kind of like the
0: Twinkies thing. <laughs> no, I always thought. I always thought he like mashed up the Twinkies.
1: Oh Oh wow. I like that. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with that. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? And
0: you know the 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 car is still careening backwards mm-hmm. and you know it, it it uh there's more shots being fired at it and and you know there's still more sparks and everything like that. And he's screaming in the car the whole time. He's going, now means now, goddammit! <laughs> Policeman under under automatic rifle fire at Nakatomi! I need backup assistance now! Now, goddammit, now! And as the car goes backwards, it passes this big sign that says uh, Nakatomi Plaza Hotel and Convention Center. And they have the names here of, of the, the contractor and the architect. And some of these are names of people... Who are part of the movie. So we talked um, weeks ago about Bruce Gefeller. Mm-hmm. So it has here, and that was a name that I thought was made up, but it really is, so it's Gefeller Construction. Yep. They decided to, to give him a, uh, a
1: credit here. And it's, uh, some of these guys I actually Googled to see if they were real people and it was like an inside joke bit or if it was staff. And I couldn't find, but I, what I should have done find was find any just, of them? No. What I should have done was go on, on IMDb and run like a side-by-side comparison. But like yeah. I, I, I literally wrote like EC Chen architect. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, these these guys are mostly in the art department. Okay. okay makes so we sense. have Roland Hill is the set designer. Okay. Uh, Bruce Gefeller is the construction coordinator. All right. Um, I'm not sure which... Steve Callis is the construction foreman. Okay. E.C. Chen is the set designer. Uh, And since why, he's the uh, architect. Yeah. And uh, the only one that I can't seem to find is Aldissaro. I don't Hmm. know who that one is.
1: But all all the others... Oh, and and I... uh, it says, I think it says mechanical above his name, so maybe he does, like, prop stuff or... Okay, well, well Ed Ayer, A-Y-E-R, A-Y-E-R mm-hmm. is the gaffer. Ah. All right.
0: And... Not and a lot then, of love for gaffes, typically. <laughs> <laughs> and Al DeSaro is the special effects coordinator. There ah, you go. Okay. All right. So every single one of them is, is part of the movie. Okay, so it, basically they tell you the architect is E.C. Chen... The general contractor is Gefeller Construction. Mechanical is Al DeSaro & Co. The electrical is Ed Ayer Co. The civic architect is Steve Callis. And then the executive architect is Roland Hill. So yeah, they, I mean, we only see this this sign for a fraction of a second, but it's great that all six of these people are part of the, the, the crew. Yeah, it's a fun yeah. little Easter egg. Yeah, it's a fun little Easter egg that they, they just threw in there. Which, which works really really well you know and the car continues to roll and it plows through a gate and then it lands pointing upwards on a, uh, on a lower embank- embankment and as you said he opens the door and he's got all these leaves there which look like Twinkies but they're not <laughs> <laughs> so he opens the door and he gets out and you know At this point, uh, the shot changes and we we see a man who, if you've seen Ghostbusters, you've seen him before, but in this movie we haven't seen him yet. And he's talking on the phone and he basically says, Monica, I can get us a table. Wolfgang and I are very close. And that's actually how this minute ends. So is there anything else you wanted to say about this minute besides the uh, leaves slash Twinkies?
1: I don't like the guy (laughs) at the end. Anytime. Like, when he gets introduced as a character, I just... Immediately, I know I'm not going to like him. You're saying just because... Just uh, seeing him on the screen, I know I'm not going to like him. I know there's something... Not fishy, but there's something off about that guy. Something I'm not going to like. You're saying that William Atherton has never been in any movie that you've liked him in? I'd have to look and see what all he's been in. Because when you said, "Oh, he's been in Ghostbusters," I'm like, "Ah, it's not ringing any bells." Not Ghostbusters ringing bells, but that actor and being in Ghostbusters. He's, it's the, not.
0: He's, he's, he's the he's the guy who all the the marshmallow falls on at the end. He's the one who turns off the you know the containment system. Oh, see, I don't like that guy. Right? Okay. No, Ghostbusters for sure. I mean, he has 39 movie credits, so I, I wonder if there's. There's got to be something that he doesn't play. Uh, you know, let's see. Uh, he was he was he was a bad guy and real genius also. Yeah. Uh, he both diehards. Um, he was in the Pelican Brief, but I don't remember him in that movie. He must have I been in there briefly then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hmm. He was in the Last Samurai.
1: Okay. Playing the Winchester rep. No, he's probably not a good guy. I'm sure the actor himself is a good person, but he also does good at playing like sleazy guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. Apparently, that's uh, that that that's his forte. <laughs> yeah, apparently, he's good at it. He's good at it, and and he mentions Wolfgang. Now, do, do you know who do which Wolfgang do you think he's talking about?
1: As soon as he says reservations and Wolfgang, I'm immediately thinking Wolfgang Puck, the chef.
0: Yeah, correct.
1: What do you know about him? He's a chef, and he's world-renowned, and he's, like, a big deal. Like, if there was a, ro- a Mount Rushmore of chefs, I'm sure his face would be on it. Right. Okay. So his full name is
0: Wolfgang Johann
1: Puck. Nice. He was born uh, July 8th, 1949,
0: which means that as of recording today, he's 73. Mm. Right? He's an Austrian-American chef and restaurateur. He was born in Carinthia, Austria. He learned to cook from his mother, who was a pastry chef. Okay, and he decided to actually take his father, his stepfather's uh, last name, after his mother got remarried, and that hmm. that, that was where the name Park came from. Okay, he had uh, two younger sisters and a younger brother, and then he trained as an apprentice in Monaco at the Hotel de Paris and at the Vance. and at Maxime's Paris before he moved to the U.S. in 1973 when he was 24. Whew. So he, What a different world. Yeah, he began to uh, to to be a chef in Indianapolis, and then he... <laughs> moved...
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> he goes to, like, Monaco and Paris, and he's like, now I'm in Indianapolis. You would think, like, L.A. or New York or Chicago or, you know... Well, it wasn't was there yet. ...bigger ones, but Indianapolis. How do you pick that one? Yeah.
0: And then at the age of 26, he moved to, to L.A. There you go. And became the, the chef and part owner of Ma Maison... Restaurant. Wow! And as you mentioned, he is one of the people that that everyone knows. You know, if you're talking about uh, uh, if you're talking about chefs, yeah, culinary and all that. Right? He has opened numerous restaurants. Mm. Uh, there are over 20, 20 fine dining restaurants that uh, that each of them are part of the top forty restaurants in the U.S. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Have you ever been to one before? Uh, well, I only kosher, so no. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Nope, never been there, you know. But uh, even if I could go, I, I don't think I would have the money to pay for absolutely for not. For, for one of those. It'd be meals. absurd. You know, I'd rather I'd rather save my money. You know, something something uh, a little cheaper. <laughs> yeah. that I'm sure tastes as good, if not better. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't need other garnishings. I just want the, the food to taste good. Yeah, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't have to look fancy. It has to taste good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to look it like crap either. That, no, you know, of course. No, like, I mean, dog is, food. There is something delicious. in between. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, there's a lot in between. That's for sure. Um, he has... His recipes have been syndicated uh, in newspapers and on websites uh, since 20, uh, 2003. Syndicated? Yeah. Okay. And he's at, very active in phil, uh, philanthropic endeavors and charitable organizations he co-founded the Puck Lazaroff Charitable Foundation in 1982, which supports American wine and food festival, which benefits uh, Meals on Wheels.
1: Hmm.
0: And they've raised more than $15 million since it was uh, created. Wow. Yeah. So his uh, original, uh, one of his most signature dishes at his original restaurant, Spago, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. is
0: the house smoked salmon pizza. That sounds really good, <laughs> especially that's on a pizza. Yeah. Oh that's true. He has received a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Really? Yep. It's located. Anyone who goes there, it's located at sixty-eight hundred one Hollywood Boulevard. Do you know who he's between? No. Okay. That I don't know. Well, you can you could look it up. It is, that's know, true. 6, sixty-eight hundred one, and who's at sixty-eight hundred three and sixty-eight? I don't know. I don't know how that works with the. With the address.
1: Huh. So yeah, he's
0: won numerous awards. And, and he's just uh, definitely one one of the top known um,
1: chefs in the world. So that's uh,
0: very interesting. So is there anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script?
1: No, I, I think it's one of the more chaotic minutes uh, early on in the film. Obviously as we get towards the end and it ramps up, it gets way chaotic. But this is... This is definitely the catalyst. This is like, all right, we're really not playing around now. It's about to really get amped up.
0: Right. All right, so the script has another, as always, a few minor discrepancies. There's nothing major here, but it's still always nice to read it. You know, he he, he actually screams into the radio, Jesus H. Christ, 6421, this is one out of ten. You know, like, he actually, it's, it's funny that he actually, in the script, has the wherewithal to, you know, to to Actually, notify someone, you know, what about what's going on, you know, that type of thing. And then it says, Suddenly, a barrage of machine gun fire from Alexander on the third floor drowns out his call. Oh, Howl okay. ducks and flattens against the seat as bullets blow out the front window, covering him in glass. But didn't Marco, it's already blown out? <laughs> Did yeah. Marco blow out the front of the so, yeah, I don't know. And then the dispatcher goes, Uh. Roger, please repeat. (laughs) And then it says, but but Powell accelerates in reverse away from the building, keeping his head low and praying he doesn't hit anything as the bullets follow him, digging into asphalt. A half block away, his car runs off the pavement and down a slope, finally bouncing to a jarring halt in a parking lot, which is destined to become police headquarters a few pages from now. Powell sits up and clutches the mic. One out of ten, under automatic rifle fire, Nakatomi requesting immediate backup and SWAT assistance. You know, it, it sounds a little too formal, the way that he says it in the script. And a little, like, redundant. Yeah, but, like but also less chaotic, chaotic. Yeah, you know, yeah absolutely. As you mentioned, this is a very chaotic minute, yeah, yeah, and it, it works as a chaotic minute. And for him to, to calmly, or he's probably not that calm saying it, but he, he's he got his thoughts collected here, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. we don't want it. We want the spontaneity of it all, right? You know, that's what it comes down to. And then uh, it does have welcome to the party pal that's in the the script and then it's then the the shot changes and it goes Widen from a police scanner we take the we take in the action here all color coordination and slickness Richard Thornburg local TV news reporter is on the phone to his girlfriend and then he says into the phone of course I can get us a table wolfgang and me we're like that I interviewed him hold on babe he covers the mouthpiece because he's become aware of what's coming from the scanner now the script makes him too polite you know he actually tells his girlfriend to hold on yeah you know in the movie he doesn't do that at all no <laughs> what a jerk yeah seriously but uh yeah that, that's pretty much how the the, dif- the those are the discrepancies in the the script they're minor but uh you know they, they still work mm-hmm. so every Wednesday we have a segment called Hans Hunt Day mm-hmm. where my guest gives their top five uh, performances of Alan Rickman
1: so what have you got for us Start from uh,
0: number five and work your way up.
1: My number five is going to be Love Actually. Uh, I, I know it's more of an ensemble film, but he—he he, to me, Alan Rickman has always had this charisma and power on screen. That when he's on, like he's the one you're paying attention to. And even though he's in this a little bit, he—the way he can convey the relationship that he's having in the film and how it's kind of drifting apart, and he's kind of looking at other things, especially with his eyes, mm-hmm. it like really grabs you. And even though he's being the character, he's being kind of a, like, sleazeball kind of guy, it's still, like, it, you feel for him. You're kind of on his side in a weird way, but you don't want to be on his side right. kind
0: of thing. Right. I
1: mean, I actually saw Love Actually just
0: a few days ago. Mm-hmm. I watched it again. And uh, I, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, she, the, the, his secretary is the one who's pursuing him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, He doesn't say no. He should be saying no. Yeah. But she's the one who's who's very active the entire time. Mm-hmm. And he's... Passively dealing with it all, which again is wrong. Yeah, but you know, you still feel for him because here he he feels that something's going wrong with his marriage, and yeah. okay, here's another here's an opportunity. You know, opportunity knocks, but uh, you know, instead of having a you know heartfelt conversation with his wife to try and fix things.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, my number four is going to be Dogma. Uh, I enjoy Kevin Smith films. Uh, not all of them per se because some of them you know they're not great but to see Alan Rickman in there I again he, it puts a smile on my face to see him he's got that kind of it just grabs you you know uh, my number three is Sweeney Todd I he doesn't have the best singing voice but there's something about it when he sings and kind of does that duet ish with uh, Johnny Depp it just works. And I really like it. He plays kind of a—he's—he's he's creepy a little bit, but he's also kind of like conniving as well. But then you can see, like, he truly loves um, the girl that he's taken under his wing. Uh, I can't think of her name at the moment, but there's like a I'm weird about Carter. No, no. Uh, the daughter. It used so, to be Depp's daughter, I, I and now seen, it's
0: right. Like, I haven't seen Sweeney in a ah, very long
1: time. But. Uh, but yeah, there's just something about. Like, the, almost like an unrequited love kind of thing. Even though okay. it's from a distance and he's a little creepy. Uh, my, my number two is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I just love that he's playing a depressed robot. The, fa- <laughs> the fact that a robot can just be like, oh, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Uh, it just, it made me giggle throughout the whole movie. Uh, and then my number one is uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. W- w- was Die Hard on this list? It's not on this list. Wow. I'd, i I like it, but I I, I don't know. It, it's I'm sure it's in the top ten, but it's not on this list for me. Okay, That's um, fair. His role in Azkaban, out of all of them, we start to see a little more humanity in uh, Snape. The other films, he's just kind of this overbearing, uh, for lack of a better term, just dick. But this one, we start to figure out, like, why. And we start to see motive, and we start to see him more as a person instead of just, you know, some really jerk of a wizard. Yeah. so those are, those are my five
0: alright cool so do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you
1: yeah absolutely over on twitter at the rehack uh, and of course I have a radio program over on mixcloud.com really simple it's called Rehack Radio I'm playing the music that I like and hopefully you'll like it too some of it there's fun facts behind it there's stories we dive a little bit deeper into the artist uh, but overall it's just a good time and good tunes the episodes usually clock in around an hour and I try to keep them as safe for work as possible so you can play it at work and get other people to like it and then they'll listen in too. What do you mean safe for work? Uh, there's <laughs> songs where there's not like a lot of swears. Oh. Okay. Like radio friendly stuff.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. And while you can do that, you can rate review and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can go to my website, Movie Rob Minute. Dot com. So until tomorrow, yippee
1: kaye!